Welcome back to another episode of The Taste. This is Doug Schaefer recording as always here at Schaefer Vineyards. Been looking forward to this one for a while now. We've got the mother-daughter team who run the show at Staglin Family Vineyard, Sherry and Shannon Staglin. If you know the name Staglin, you probably think of some great Napa Valley wines. But you might be in for some surprises today. There's a lot to their story, so let's get started. Grapes all in? Got yes, done? yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Good. grapes are all in. Yep, been pressing tanks. And, <coughs> yeah. You know. Good. How about you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nice year. You're earlier than us, I think. No, You're west we, side. We, no, we got done about 10 days ago. Took a while. Yeah, so we. But. Um, good, good year, though. Yeah, it's a nice mm-hmm. year. All right, so we'll get this thing rolling here. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Taste. Doug Schaefer with another episode. Got a couple of good friends in here today. It's a mother-daughter team, Shannon and Sherry Staglin. These guys have been growing grapes, making wine Rutherford for over 30 years. Got started just a few years after my dad got Schaefer going back in the mid-early 80s. Um, wonderful family-owned winery. They are the real deal. They grow it, they make it, they sell it. That's hard to come by these guys, especially for over 30 years. So first vintage, I think, was 86. Sherry, Correct. Shannon, That's right. Welcome to The Taste. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having us. Um, we got a lot of different stories today. I've got copious notes, but let's go way back to about your property. It's in Rutherford. What's the history? What's, doesn't it go way, way, way back? Yeah. 1864 is when it was first planted by Mary and John Stector. And we have no idea what the varietal was, but they put in 60 acres and they had another 300 and some odd acres of wheat. Wheat was the cash crop then. And by the 70s, they were fully producing. They had their own little winery. This is 1870s. 1870s. Okay, wow. Yeah. But it it was uh, apparently uh, lucrative enough for them that they kept it. But in those days... The, all the old-timers along the western foothills that came, a lot of them came out of Missouri, which was at that time the number two wine-growing, wine-making region in the United States. I didn't know that. Yeah. Missouri back in the 1800s? Yep. Second to California? Nope. Second to? Yes. New York. New York. Yeah, then. So New York and Missouri uh-huh. were one and two in the 1800s. That's right. In the mid-1800s. In the mid-1800s. What was California doing? It was just getting started through the Stectors. I'm looking and at Shannon because, you know, didn't you have more liberal arts than I did in college? You should uh, know this. <laughs> I was an anthropology major, okay. so I went a little bit further back to, like, the, the WAPO Native there Americans. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So we, we, we have a gap. <laughs> okay. So they were, uh, so they're growing, so number, t- number two. Well, number so three. the 1840s was the Bear Flag Revolt, okay. and then the 1850s, we became a state, right. and then people started migrating. Okay. And so they came out and covered wagons. And they staked their claims, and they started, they built the home on that property in 1864, which is still there, and we've restored it. Uh, And they had six kids there. Her brother and her father were both sheriffs of Napa County, and their son was the sheriff of Napa County. He built a house on the uh, corner of Manly and the highway, and that house is still there. And um, and their daughter and her husband built a house halfway up Manly Lane, which is where Shannon is currently building a house. That was a Sears and Roebuck prefab, Great. which um, was in not good shape at all and had to be taken down. But John and Mary Stector had six kids, and they gave away a corner of their property to the county for a schoolhouse right on the corner of Kneebaum 
and Highway 29, little, which is still there today. The Kaima Schoolhouse. And Shannon's daughter and her son go to that school. Which is the co-op. Yep, the co-op it's the nursery. co-op, yep. The um, San Alito Cooperative Nursery School. Wow, this is, you know, this is what's so fun about this. So, <laughs> And Mary died when she was 103. 103, all right. Yep. So that schoolhouse, when I was in high school in 1973 and 74 here in Napa, we moved out junior year. I was it was my senior year. There weren't a lot of options for me class wise. I was really interested in teaching. I went down. That's it. before it was the co op. It was I don't know if you know this. It was a school for handicapped kids. Okay. Disabled, mentally challenged children. Nursery, you know, nursery school age. Fantastic. So I used to student teach there two two classes a day. How great! Through high school. Very cool. And there was this wonderful lady you. who ran the program. Athena was her first name. She was just fantastic and just. And these, oh, it was great. And then, yeah, later then my kids went to the co-op. There you go. Now they're older, but your kids are going to co-op, which is for kind of kindergarten. For yeah, it's pre, yeah, pre-K. Pre, Pre-K. Yeah. Wow. And that all came from Mary Stedeker. Stedeker? Stechter. Stechter. S-T-E-C-K-T-E-R. Wow. Good German name. God, this is German-American. I love it. Okay, so then they, but they sold it. When did they, the Stechter family sell it? Well, um, they they fell on some hard times, and they they sold it when her husband died. He was quite a bit older than her. And so, and her son was helping out, her oldest son. And then they uh, ended up selling it to another family, and it was changed hands several times, but at Prohibition, it was taken out, okay. as most of the vineyards were in Napa Valley, and it was not replanted until a hundred years after it was originally planted. Almost exactly, it was planted in 1864. It was replanted in 1964 by Andre Chelichev. Chelichev plants. Mm-hmm. So he planted. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But yeah. Okay. So that's the history. Wow. But so 1964 was... is the year Garen and I met on a blind date at UCLA. <sighs> Okay. Isn't that something? That is something. Okay, we're going to get to that because before we get to Garen um, and Shannon, we're, we're going to get to you, I promise. That's but, okay. But yeah. Sherry, <laughs> Sherry goes first. Um, Sherry, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in Huron, South Dakota, but I mostly grew up in Mitchell, South Dakota. Okay. But my family moved to Southern California when I was 12, and then I ended up going to UCLA eventually. So what did your parents do? My father was a machinist at night, full-time, and my mother was a secretary during the day at the uh, aircraft industry. Cool. Aerospace industry. Wine wine part of the home life? Absolutely not. We drank milk at all times. At all times? Yeah, being from South (laughs) South Dakota, Dakota. my grandparents had a dairy farm, and that's what everybody drank for dinner, milk. Alcohol involved? Wine, beer? Almost never. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 dad's father, my grandfather, was a no alcohol. Teetotaler, just wasn't allowed. Even after Dad came back from the wards and came in with a six pack of beer, and my grandfather said, "Get that out of here." <laughs> then my then Dad like, ends up making yeah. wine. <laughs> my grandmother, I remember making her made. She made my cousin leave when he came in. He was in college with a six pack of beer, and she made him leave. Wow. Yeah, she she wouldn't have it in her house. And my mother always said, "You can you can have a drink, but a lady nurses one drink all night." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So UCLA, and uh, you enrolled in UCLA, and that's where you met Garen, right? I did. Blind date. How'd that happen? I didn't have a date for the dorm party. I was a dormie. Um, he was in a fraternity, but I didn't have a date that night, and I thought it was nerdy to go to a dorm party, so I didn't want to go. But I said to my roommate, I said, you know what? I don't have a date tonight. 
she was in charge of the party. Why don't you get me a date? And it was the first time that dorm parties were allowed to have alcohol because it was off campus at somebody's parents' home. So um, she asked around, and the first person she could get was Garen. And apparently he had just broken up with somebody. And I got a call in my dorm room, and he said, Hello, this is Garen Staglin. I was just elected by a committee of five to be your escort for the evening. <laughs> and I I'm started laughing, and I liked him right away. So uh, we went to the party, and uh, we hit it off right away. That's great. But there was a lot of ups and downs. We were only 19. Yeah, that's a long, that's yeah. a long road. So, Sherry, I'll jump to you. Tell me about your dad, Garen. Where did he, he come from? Where did he grow up? So he was born in Nebraska. Uh, and uh, he says that he had the good sense to leave at one years old uh, <laughs> and uh, moved with his mother and father to Southern California, to Long Beach. And uh, his father is originally from uh, from Italy, Calabria. So the last name Staglin used to be Stagliano, uh, okay. and it was his name was Pasquale Stagliano, and he changed it to Raymond Staglin when he was naturalized. So my grandfather is kind of where the interest in wine started for our okay. family because being Italian, wine is a part of the family dinner table. And so my dad grew up that way and, and that's where his interest started. And then my parents met and my mom started learning about wine from my dad and, and his family. So when you guys were dating, was it was it wine or was it beer? Being in college is well, probably Well, we were only beer. 19. Yeah. Well, that's right. You weren't legal. <laughs> we that's were right. drinking beer, as a matter of fact, yeah. Of course. At his fraternity parties. Of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you both graduated UCLA. Uh -huh. And degrees, you were... What, uh, I got a bachelor's in international relations. Okay. He got a bachelor's in engineering, uh, electrical and nuclear engineering. And... Uh, what did you guys get married right away or no 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 we didn't get married till three and a half years after okay. we met so what were you each doing work-wise i went to work right away for the i had always worked part-time during school i worked full-time the first two years in junior college and i went to work full-time for the university running the charter flight program for the at that time i think there were only five ucs and um, I wanted to go. I wanted to travel, and I didn't have that much money, so I figured I'd run the charter flight program and go for free, which I did. So that's what I did for a year. And I would visit Garen. He would want me to come up and say, see the place and see Stanford. And he was at business school. Oh, he was at business school. He went to him. business school. Okay, got it. And I would come and visit, and then he would say, hey, let's go up to Napa Valley. We can drive up for the day. And that was the first time we ever visited Napa Valley, and that was 66. In 66. So you guys weren't married, but you came up dating and whatnot. And right. So were you getting into wine and Yeah, we were tasting. There tasting was only six wineries on the on the highway then. Six wineries. Uh -huh. Six wineries <laughs> in 66. That could be a song. Wow. Okay, so um, so you guys... Can you guess what they were? Um, oh, maybe you Six don't wineries. Do no, no, it wasn't Mondavi. <laughs> they weren't on board yet. So right. it was uh, Louis Martini, yes. Charles Krug, yes. Beringer. Yes. Hang on. Come on. Further north. Further north was, wasn't Tramsburg yet. Clue is it, it survived the uh, prohibition. It kept its vineyards. Survived prohibition. Our Christian brothers. Yeah. Oh, Christian. Oh, oh silly me. Yeah, yeah, now the CIA. How, yep. can I, how, can, how could you miss <laughs> that big guy? Yeah. Okay. And two more further south. <laughs> two more further south. So you yeah. look at, you know, you're, oh, you're putting me on. <laughs> I like this. You're putting me on the hot seat. Two further south. What was it? Uh, the, the Trinchero family? Wasn't in? no, they weren't here yet. They weren't here yet. Sixty-six. Um, it wasn't Mandavi. Wasn't cake bread. It was oh man. It was a Finnish 
ship captain. Oh, 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 oh. Rubicon, Inglenook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there, it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> One more. <laughs> Finish. <laughs> Give me One a more is I our need her- a fo- I need to phone a friend. Heritage. I need to phone a friend. Our vineyard was originally planted by Andre Chelichev for... Oh, BV, of course. Yeah. Oh, geez, gosh, you got them all. Yeah, but I had to phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's great. So that was easy. Six wineries in an afternoon. Easy. You could do it all. And we'd have a picnic. There were no restaurants. Yeah. I do remember that. We came out Oakfield Grocery. Oakfield Grocery, the original. Okay, so when did you guys get married? 1968. 68. And so you were living... Uh, by then, I had moved up because I decided to marry him. Moved up to Bay Area. To the Bay Area, Bay Area. and okay. I went to work for Lockheed and Missiles, Missiles and Space Company as a logistics analyst assistant. Wow. And he was done with his MBA. What, what, did, what did he start doing? Uh, well, he was still getting his MBA that year, and then he did ask me to marry him. Great. And then we did get married in June that year. Okay. But, we, but he had to immediately go into the Navy because of the okay. Vietnam War. Okay. And he was in NROTC, so we knew... If, that we had to go over, and we did. So what, you guys were stationed at different... I was in Japan. I lived there, and he was in Vietnam most of the time. I didn't know he was in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, good. So you you get through that, and then you end up back in California at some point? We did, after Washington, D.C., and then New York, and then California. Okay. And you moved to... Lafayette. Lafayette. There was no Shannon yet. There was no Shannon yet. (laughs) Shannon's still here. We I'm still here. Yet. She's <laughs> in California, in 1979. So, so you moved. Gosh, you just told me you moved in. <laughs> you moved in 79. You moved. 75. 75. You moved. Thank you. And um, 79, you were born. Correct. So that was 79. So you were living in Lafayette, which is a suburb of San Francisco. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. And I think so. The story my mom tells is that the. Day before I was born, she was at the Chateau Montalena release party. True, drinking <laughs> the day before you were, you a were glass born. <laughs> of Riesling and dancing to a Dixieland morning band. Yes, yes. <laughs> she Never came stopped. out very happy. Never has been stopped. happy ever since. <laughs> so the wine thing was as you as you and your brother were you know little kids. You you and Sherry, you and Garen were doing the wine thing big time. Obviously, just just loving yeah. it, just being yeah. wine lovers. Yeah. Well, we chose where to live because it was an hour from Napa Valley, and it was two and a half hours from skiing. Those Got were it. two things that we really cared about. Got it. And so we used to visit Napa Valley and Sonoma all the time, and we wanted to. We just really wanted to have our own vineyard. Got it. Because it was such a great dream. We loved the people here. We loved the wine. We loved the, pl- the place. What a beautiful place! And eventually, it worked yeah. out. So Shannon, you were born in 79. Your brother Brandon was born... 71. 71. In New York. <laughs> in New York. Yep. So you guys are... Do you remember Lafayette at all growing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We lived there uh, until I started high school. So we oh, moved okay. up here full time when I started high school. Uh, so definitely remember Lafayette well. But, you know, Napa, we were here every weekend from probably since I was like at least four years old. Uh, so at, you know, Napa's definitely home. <laughs> what was that like? They're dragging you up here every weekend? <laughs> Did you guys have a place up here? I remember just, when she just, was a baby at Chateau Montalena, and I was rocking her. It was a, stor- it was a rainstorm, and our friends were saying, oh, you're, this is terrible to your baby. You shouldn't have her out in this, in this uh, rain. And I was like, well, she'll be all right. She's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think um, coming here – it was a, a different place then. I could run around in the vineyards or like hide in the barrel room or 
things yeah. like that while they were tasting. So it was uh, very kind of relaxed and and ag- ag- agrarian. And Brandon was <laughs> did, climbing up and, and down Brandon, the rocks yeah, I mean, and the streams. Did, did you guys like it or were you like, I'm, I, I imagine myself, well, I, I have my, remember my own kids at that age, they're like, really, we got to go do this? Yeah. Yeah, I want to go play with my friends down the street. I want to go to the, the mall. I think when I got to that age, like my parents, we would bring, my friends would come up with us for the weekend and, you know, it was a fun getaway for them and uh, kind of only an hour away, but, you know, quite, quite different from life in Lafayette. So it was the, my fourth, both third and fourth grade, we had a, um, field trip to Napa Valley. So the, my whole class got on, you know, the yellow school bus and came to Rutherford and <laughs> helped pick grapes. And I, and it wasn't child labor. It was, you know, like sure, no, it was just... Uh, just a few clusters. Uh, but it was a great way to kind of learn about agriculture and viticulture and, and what it, what wine comes from. Right. And, uh, the kids would explore the property and we had an old cave that they would, you know, climb in and get poison oak and all that good stuff. So, so this was your place. This was your place. So when did you buy your place in Napa? We bought it in 1985 85. in December. Huh? Got it. Okay. But, and, uh, I'd never been on the market. But you moved, when did you move up here? We, we didn't move up here until 1993 okay. because we decided, <sighs> We sort of got seduced into the wine business. We just wanted a little vineyard, and we would have a house up here, and then we would sell the grapes to other wineries. But as <laughs> I looked... That sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and as I, as I came up to look for a place, and at that time I was doing executive search, and Garen was selling a business, but I started taking some time off work to come up here every day because the tax laws were changing from a tax shelter of uh, depreciation over five years to uh, 30 years. Right. So we said, well, we're going to have to do it in 85. And so I started looking in June, no, January of 85. And we didn't finally close on it until December 5th. So the plan was just to have a little, small little vineyard house in the country, sell the grapes. That was that was the... That was the original plan, but we slowly got seduced. Fairly quickly, actually got seduced. I think it was quickly. I I know you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was, I remember the story with my folks because I think my mom was under the impression dad was going to just be a gentleman farmer and sell uh-huh. the grapes. And yeah. uh, actually that was my take too. And then within a few years, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in college and I hear that dad's starting a winery and it's like, wow. <laughs> and not till many, many, many years later, I was talking to him one time, I said, you know, wow, what was that like? And he said, you know, you know, how did you figure out you wanted to make wine? He goes, well, I kind of always did. I just never told your mom. I said, oh, oops. <laughs> so, but similar story. So that you buy that. So you're absentee owners and yep. farming grapes. So were there grapes on the property? Yeah, it was fully planted. Okay. Uh, it had been planted by, um, replanted from a prune orchard that it had become after Prohibition, replanted in 64 by Chelichev for the granddaughter of George Latour, okay. Dagmar Depens, who was that time the owner of BV. And so he and he was the winemaker of BV. Yes. So he planted the property. She yeah. owned it. He, he yeah. planted it to, for the grapes for uh-huh. BV Cab. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, you couldn't have a better guy planting your grapes. I, I found out that later. So he did, did you, come to visit yeah. us. Did you meet him? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And did, Absolutely. Did, did you work with him too? Did he work with you he, guys? He said he was under contract not to consult with anybody else, huh. but um, he said he would come and talk to us as a friend, which he did. That's great. He and his wife came out, and we and he tasted through everything that we had made at that time, but we hadn't made any wine until 86 because we had bought it right. after the 85 harvest. And so he tasted 86 through 91. 
No, that was April of 91. So, and he, uh, he gave us his kind of recipe for where and when he picked the grapes, which, <laughs> which uh, acids, which pHs, et cetera, mm-hmm. and which sugars. And um, we were, of course, at that time picking much higher sugars than he used to do for right. his perfect wine. And so we tried it. And the next year, I told Celia, who was our winemaker at that time, Celia Welch, I said, let's have David just not pick anything, half of this vineyard until such and such a date or such and such sugars, and we'll pick the other part according to Telechev's standards. And we did that. And um, I really didn't like, I didn't like Telechev's standards. <laughs> I liked I liked our version better. Well, yeah, styles change. I would like to add why Garen has never run the wine business and why I always have. And now Gar- Shannon. Garen's, and, oh, help me with that. So Garen's never, I always thought Garen no. was kind of running it. No, it was your no baby. No way. No way, listen to you. <laughs> so operations, all these are, all these years, yeah. you were on it. We own it together, you Garen own it together, and I do. But he and the children, involved, too. Because he's got his own thing. He's, he's whole, got lots of other things going on. Things. Yeah. Talk about energy. Yeah. Yes. But when we bought the vineyard, the first thing, and we thought he would retire from working in other jobs right. and run the vineyard. And instead, we've ended up getting... A red leaf virus right away. Right. They couldn't get the sugars up. Then we got phylloxera. It was one thing after another. And we had to put so much money Cost into the vineyard money. to start replanting yeah. it and getting nothing back yeah. or very little back. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know how that goes. Yep. So um, I said, honey, you got to start another business. <laughs> so he did. And then I've always run it. So I left my work. I was doing executive search then in the city. And I left that and, and worked ever since then full-time in the wine business. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And then Shannon, luckily, because I told both the kids, you cannot come and work for the wine business. We don't We don't want you to. We want you to go out and do your thing, what you love to do. This is what we love. And both of them ended up wanting to come back. Well, But I told them five years. And so it was, Shannon wouldn't listen to me. And she came back immediately after college. Gee, I just don't understand why, Shannon, you wouldn't listen to your mother. I mean, I've known your mom for a long, long time. I just don't get this. Everybody <laughs> in my family is a, is a Capricorn except for me, but I am a Taurus. So <laughs> we're all strong-willed. So when you moved up here, Shannon, you were just starting high school. Correct. Yeah. I, I, you know, Leaving uh, all of your friends when you're in eighth grade is like your world is, is over. But it all turned out okay. <laughs> so. No, come on. How was it? it was, it's, it's rough. It, I mean, it was. I was very scared and very emotional. But I, I went to uh, Justin Siena, okay. which was a great school because it was smaller. And also kids from a lot of different schools convened there. And so it wasn't like everybody knew each other already. Uh, so, and uh, they have great sports programs and great academic programs. And so I definitely, <clears throat> I think, uh, flourished uh, in that environment um, and got to meet a lot of great new people. And I played basketball and volleyball and did well enough in school. So <laughs> well, that's great. And, and I think you're being a little modest. Basketball, I heard there's some records that you still own. I think I fin- it finally got beaten, but I did have the season assist record for varsity basketball for a long time. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. Well, I, uh, I, when we moved out here, I played basketball up in St. Helena. But you did? I've got, yeah, I did, but, but I got no records, no. baby. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was middle, I moved out middle of junior year. That okay. was from Chicago. That was pretty wild. Yeah, I bet. But um, 
it was fine. St. Helena was a small school. It was great, and people were really friendly. And, yeah. Um, so it was, and, you know, playing sports helped a lot, too. Yes. Get you going. And, and Justin it's and St. Helena are, are rivals. Big, so, rivals. yeah. <laughs> I've got two two of my kids went to Justin. Okay. So, yeah, they, so I, I bounce all over. My, my allegiances are all over the valley. So you That's you good. got done uh, with Justin, and then you off, you went to... I went to UCLA as well. Uh, so I graduated from UCLA in 2001 with a degree in anthropology. And despite my mom's wishes for me to go do something else, I wanted to come back to the wine business. I'll rewind and saying in high school, of course, I didn't want to have anything to do with the wine business because what teenager wants to do what their parents do. Understood. Uh, and, but after going away to college and having some distance and coming back home to Napa really kind of saw how, how beautiful it was. And, you know, the, the romantic side of what my mom did of, you know, traveling and meeting great mm-hmm. people and drinking great wines and going to the, you know, the new restaurants. And, uh, so I just, uh, I decided, you know what, I, that's what I want to do. So, um, and I kept my, my focus on anthropology, mainly cultural. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I came back, I worked as an intern in our winery in 2001. Okay. Uh, it was when uh, we were still kind of balancing between Napa Wine Company and our own caves. Right. So our, our caves took two years to dig out and build. And so in 2001, our red wine production was still at Napa Wine Company, but our white wine production was in our caves. Okay. And so I managed all of those Chardonnay fermentations. Uh, Andy Erickson was our winemaker oh, that great. year. So yeah. it was his first year as the winemaker. He came from Harlan, where he was the assistant. And I was his first ever intern, so I like to wear that badge proudly. He's had a lot of interns since then. <laughs> but learned a lot about winemaking and learned that I didn't want to be a winemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with a winery our size, it can be somewhat of a solitary job. Right. And anybody that's worked in a winery understands that like 90% of what you do is clean things, especially mm-hmm. if you're an intern. But I just, I, I love being around people and I love kind of a diverse set of responsibilities so I started working in our offices and did that until 2006 and kind of got to the point where I, I did national sales. I, I hosted events and tastings. I, I did all sorts of different things and um, kind of reached my plateau of like where I could get at that point before I start managing people that taught me what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I went and got my MBA at UC Davis um, from 2006 to 2008 and then worked in banking at Wells Fargo um, for two and a half years, okay. and then came back to the family business in a managerial role in 2011. Well, I, I, remember, I remember meeting you because it's kind of like, you know, we're at a big trade tasting or consumer tasting. There's the Staglin table, and Garen and Sherry aren't there. It's like, yeah. it's this other gal. It's like, well, <laughs> hi, you know, I'm Doug Schaefinger. Hi, I'm Shannon Stag. I say, oh, I, I, I didn't know you existed. Yeah. <laughs> That's been great. And, um, but going back with you guys, the history of your winery. So I think you used, would use, do you guys still use David Abreu? Yes, he was our original, the original vineyard guy, manager. Which huh? is, he's one of the best. So you've got great it's terrific. Grapes. And then, so winemaking, you custom crushed at Napa Wine Company for how many years? 10, 15? Well, we were in one, two, three, four, uh, four different wineries before we finally got our own caves wow. to make it in. That's, so, that's, yeah. that's, got to be challenging I we think. were just yeah we were like gypsies tra- yeah. <laughs> traipsing around we get we the uh the winery would get full up with their own wine and they kick sure. us out then we go someplace yeah, else yeah. and then the same thing would happen it happened several times oh and so napa was our napa wine company was our fourth we'd been at um uh, first it was called sunny saint helena right and then later became maryville 
Right. And so we made some wine there with Bill Harlan and Debbie Harlan mm -hmm. when they were dating. Um, we picked our first ton together oh, on our vineyard, and um, we had no idea what we were doing in 86. But it, it turned out okay after several years. Originally, it wasn't great. Okay. Uh, and then we we after that, we went to Sinski, and we got kicked out of there. Then we went to way up in the hill, Hess, Hess Collection. Okay. And then oh, we yeah, ended that's up a, that's at a drive. Company. Yeah. Oh, so, good. But we and finally got our own wine. You finally right? got your own place in 2002. It was finally for nice. red wine and white wine. Great. That's all underground, which is really Everything's cool. underground, yeah. I, know, I remember going there for a lunch. It was so cool. Well, you know, Chelichev actually suggested that. He did. You know, the guy, the guy has his fingerprints all over this valley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody I talk to, there's some connection. Yeah. Elias has his tuxedo. Really? Yeah. Dorothy, really? Yeah. Dorothy called up Elias and said, How you know, great. you're about the same size as Andre. You want his tuxedo? And Elias says, sure. Has he worn it to anyone? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever there's something, it's rare that we, you know, get yeah. gussy. Yeah, black tie, tie around here. Yeah. But uh, he does. It's great. That's great. It's, we always have a moment. Um, and so on winemaking, you had Celia for, was your first? Uh, no, our very first winemaker was, I think our first, Kathy Corison. Okay, Kathy, great. Yeah. And then after her was Celia, uh, because Kathy started making her own wine, and she was buying our grapes, and it, it seemed like a conflict of interest, so we parted ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're all still friends. And then Celia was with us for 11 or 12 years, and then Andy came on board, and... Um, and then he went into being a consultant. Celia became a consultant because I right. said they either have to be full-time or for Staglin or they're a consultant, but it's not together. And so whenever they wanted to be a consultant, they had to leave with my blessing, and we found somebody new. No, I'm with you. It's, yeah. it's, you need to have your own team yeah. in place. Right. So Frederick Johansson is our current winemaker, right. and he's been with us since 2007. That's great. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> nothing better than having some time. Yeah, for sure. And another thing about tenure, too, in the vineyard, so we talked about David, but our crew on the estate, some of them have been with us 34 years. So yeah, Richard wow. Villa, it. Yeah, Richard Villasenor is our foreman, so he's overseen the, the crew since the beginning. And then Juan is the tractor driver, also 34 years. Um, then there's Jose and Ignacio and Jesus. Uh, and Jorge are all about two decades. So wow. the continuity of workmanship is very important to the quality of the wines that we can make off of the estate. That's incredible. It's so pretty wonderful. It is wonderful. And you guys should pat yourselves on the back. What's the secret? How, They're how's like that, part how's of that, our family. How's that happen? Um, well, during harvest, we've always given them breakfast because <laughs> they have to pick at night. <laughs> Food's important. And, and lunch. Mm -hmm. And uh we just care about them a lot, and you know we take care of them. We walk in the vineyards and talk to them every day, and we live yeah. there and we work there too, and yeah. we see each other. Everybody knows everybody. No, that's that's a, I just yeah. I, it's always really good to hear. I yeah, love hearing that. And we've gotten to you know like they've seen me grow up since I was six years oh, old. Oh, you're a little right? girl, yeah. And you know we've gotten to see some of their kids grow up, and uh, you know help support them in their um, ongoing to education. Get to college. And yeah. 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 So it's actually kind of funny. When my husband and I first started dating and he moved out here from Florida, he's from Houston, he would come on the property and all of the guys, the, the crew in the vineyard, would kind of look at him very skeptically. And, <laughs> you know, he had to he had to pass the had to pass the muster with the vineyard. Yeah, who's this guy? Who's, who's dating Shannon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we, we know their families and their wives, and we've all gotten to know each other. Yeah. Other yeah. every year at our harvest party and throughout the year. And, um, you know, they send me pictures of, of the 
one of our guys just sent me several years worth of pictures of of his family with me yeah. at, at harvest parties. And that's, the kids were from little until now they're, you know, starting in high school. That's cool. Um, I want to back up a little bit because this is a really important part of your family's life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's blossomed some wonderful, wonderful things. But in 1990, your son Brandon, brother Brandon, some things happened, changed his life, changed his He had an lives. acute onset of schizophrenia yeah. at yeah. adolescence. Mm-hmm. And he was how A old? psychotic break. He was 18. 18. He was just after his freshman year at Dartmouth. Just out of the blue. To us, it was out of the blue then. Had we known then what we know now, we would have seen the symptoms leading up to it. But he was our firstborn, and we just yeah. assigned it to, okay, that's a way a teenager, that's he's who a 19, he is. Yeah, he's a 19-year-old, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's in great shape, and he's... he's well, he wasn't for a long time. He wasn't for a long time. But, but we had guys, to figure it out. Yeah. First, we had to find out what it was. Then we had to educate ourselves about what it was, and we felt very guilty that... Usually in psychology classes in college, we'd learned, I had learned that it's, it's usually the mother's fault because she hadn't been a good mother. And so I felt very guilty because we'd always expected him to be a high achiever and he was our firstborn. And and uh, a psychologist friend came and talked to us and he said, you know what, It's this is a genetic predisposition. It's triggered by something environmentally. We don't know what it is, but it's not your fault. And nor is it Garen's fault. It's, right. It's nobody's fault. It just happens just like, you know, you get cancer, you get diabetes, sometimes you get schizophrenia. And what he needs now is somebody to stick with him. He needs unconditional love, and he especially needs his father. And so Garen took him to Europe, and uh, he was still pretty sick, and they we were still trying different meds. But eventually, one of them worked pretty well. They At those days, they kind of zombied you out. Right. But it got rid of his psychosis, and he was grateful for that. Uh, but we had to go through trial and error for a long time. And at any rate, I think as much to do with meds and psychiatrists is unconditional love. Yeah, love and support. Mm-hmm. Never ending. Uncon- unconditional. That's the key word, I think. Right. And sometimes wow. you just want to throw them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but that's life. But how tough on you and Garen? It, you know, it was like, a, it was it was the worst thing we ever because he did through. everything right raising yeah. a kid, right? We, we but all do. you know we all we all got through it. And Shannon was only ten then, and she had to bear the brunt of it because Brandon would call her and he had forgotten where he'd left his car, and she'd have to get a neighbor to go pick him up. And, oh, ten years old. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a shift in roles, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I was always the younger sister that pestered him, so it was uh, a different uh, a different exchange for sure. But I, I definitely, I wouldn't say I bared the brunt. You know, I think you guys did most of the heavy lifting, and I was there on the periphery. So, but it takes a village. Yeah, you know? he had friends oh. that would come over and visit, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he works for the winery now, communication. Well, he was working for the winery, but now he's full-time. He got his master's degree last year, and now the board has named him president of One Mind, our nonprofit for oh, brain health. Fantastic. And he's doing a terrific job. Now, was, okay, because I was before I talked about One Mind, this tough, challenging problem you guys had in your family, has you guys morphed it into this fantastic event. It's called the the Music Festival for Music Brain Festival Health. Music Festival for Brain Health, yeah. And it's on year twenty five. Uh huh. And you've raised how much over that time? Over four hundred and sixty million dollars. All of it for research. I mean, 
Okay, I want to hear about this. You, you have to describe this because it is a fantastic event. It always happens in the middle of harvest, so I can't come for wine, but I give you cases of wine. But um, thank you very of much. Of course, of course, support but, and but, participation. But describe it to I think everybody. You gave, a, you gave like a five or six liter this year of an older vintage of I'll Hillside give, Select. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I'll, <laughs> it I'll, was I'll, enjoyed. I'll, I'll, I'll give you what I'll give you. Just you tell me what you want. I'll, I'll deliver. You don't have to ask. You guys tell me what. Yeah, what it's um. So it's a it's a really wonderful day. It's called a music festival, but it's really more a festival of a day. Right. We only have one music performer, um, but it starts out with a scientific symposium. So we have some of the scientists that were funding their research. We have some of the top scientists in the nation uh, speaking kind of about uh, what is happening in research, mm-hmm. the breakthroughs that they're finding, really sharing kind of pen to paper if you're donating to this cause, where your money is going and the difference that it's making, it's a great opportunity for people to be able to meet these scientists, ask personal questions. And it's one of the few places that is truly like there is no stigma involved in brain health when right. you come to this day. And so it's a very kind of freeing and opening energy that I think everybody experiences and joy from that, mm-hmm. um, being able to talk openly about it. And then after the scientific symposium, we have the wine tasting reception in the caves, which mm-hmm. you generously contribute to. Uh, and we have 70 of the top wineries um, from the Napa Valley and beyond pouring. And we have a different local chef doing the hors d'oeuvres for that every year. And then after an hour and a half in the caves tasting, uh, we transition out to the um, the concert. And so a different performer is every year this year with Cheryl Crow. Uh, next year we'll we'll still TBD, but I'm sure it'll be somebody fantastic. It's Jennifer Hudson was the year before. Wow! Um, so a really great uplifting concert, and then for the patrons we have a dinner uh, at my parents' home in the backyard, and a different celebrity chef does that every year. So. Uh, the founding, the first chef ever was uh, Charlie Trotter. Uh, he was first very, two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, very supportive of right. the cause and very interested in what we were doing. Uh, and then uh, this year was Chef Nina Compton. So she mm-hmm. just won James Beard Award for the South. And uh, she has two restaurants in New Orleans. And she actually uh, worked with my husband, Artie, in Miami, where he was kind of the manager of uh, Casa Casarina, which is the right. Versace mansion, and she was the chef. So they go back. Yeah. It's 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 a day long event, and how many people are there? Like for the for the 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 this, the talks by the scientists or it's a full house. I mean, it's stand, it gets into standing room only. Uh, for it's that. about four fifty to five hundred. Four to five hundred mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and then they all can participate in the wine tasting and patron dinner is probably a little smaller. Yeah, the, yeah so the symposium is also free. So anybody can come to that as long as they register. Wow. Uh, and then um, the tickets that you can purchase are for the concert and reception, wine mm-hmm. tasting and reception uh, and concert, or the full day, which includes the dinner. The dinner. So yeah, the dinner uh, generally is around two, two under f- 250. Right. Uh, this year we got totally oversold, and I think we were at like 340. <laughs> so we now know exactly how many can fit without any more room. <laughs> you know, the Staglin family has a lot of energy. That's all we I do. can say. You do. I've known you, Sherry, for so long, and Shannon, for, you know, I can't keep up with you guys. Um, so it's a beautiful day. It's all, it's, it's all happens at your place, mm-hmm. home and winery. It does. So this fantastic festival, 25 plus years, it's so great. But flashing back to before you started the festival with this this unbelievably challenging tough tragic thing with Brandon and and how it you know just 
challenged you to your core. For sure. As a parent. Mm-hmm. How how did you get through that 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 tough, tough, tragic time and evolve and turn this into this wonderful triumph that you have today? How how how'd you Sherry, how'd you do that? Well, we didn't do it alone. A lot of it was Brandon too. Okay. And and he he realized and we told him that if we could, we would take that disease from him because we'd already lived a great life and we wanted him to live a great mm. life. And that we loved him very much. Um, but his job going forward, and he, he was down on himself psychologically because of the stigma, mm-hmm. plus the fact that he didn't have a girlfriend, he couldn't get a job. Um, so we said, your job now is to get well. That's your job. And we're here to help you, and we're going to always help you no matter what. But he realized that, okay, from that point forward, he had to work at it just as hard as we worked to help him. Mm -hmm. And so it took us a long time to get him better. But he had a, we had a wonderful psychiatrist at Dartmouth who gave us pointers along the way. And when, even when Brandon couldn't go back to school, they always made their kids with psychotic breaks stay out for one year. Mm-hmm. Brandon talked him into coming back within one quarter hmm. because the psychiatrist said you either have to get a job and, and uh, you have to get a supervisor to recommend you or you have to go back to school and get a professor to recommend you. Well, Brandon did both. Hmm. And he got both recommendations, and he went back within a quarter. And he worked hard. It was not easy. He moved out of the dorm because of the the d- discrimination and stigma, and, and we right. got him an apartment. But um, And it was us as much as anybody that had to get ourselves better. We needed that psychologist to help us understand that it wasn't our fault, and then we didn't feel the guilt, and we could help him more. But we were still in shell shock for quite a while, and we were running through the vineyard one morning with our dogs, and I said, you know what? We met Charlie Trotter at Birmingham at that wine auction. Mm-hmm. He's such a great guy. He was the chef. We were the winery. And um, I told him, you know, you're so good. You've got to come out and do something. We just built a house on our vineyard, and maybe you'll do something for us. He said, well, sure. Uh, well, if it's charity, I'll do it for nothing. Wow. And I said, wow, okay, that sounds go. great. So, And then we had another friend who had a new boyfriend, and she brought him out from New York. And he was a conductor, and he said, my gosh, this is a beautiful place. You ought to have a music festival. And I said, no way. There's, I have no time to do a music festival because I am so busy getting our business started in the wine business. And he said, well, if you did something for charity, he said, I'd produce it for you. So I was like, well, uh, we'll talk about it. Right. So we're running around with the dogs one morning. I said to Garen, you know, what if we put Charlie Trotter together with Richard? And we did a music festival, and Richard did the music. He'd, he'd have an orchestra, and, and Charlie would do the dinner. Mm-hmm. And so in our next wine release letter, which was a little letter executive stationary, mm-hmm. right. it said two lines. It said, save the date for September, la, 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 la. We're having a music festival for mental health. And I started getting calls, and I got a call from one woman who I never heard of, and I wasn't responding to her because I thought it was just, you know. But I finally, she wouldn't give up, and finally she said, oh, this is Jean Robertson, and my husband is on your wine list, and I have two sons that have uh, a brain disorder. One Mm -hmm. has schizophrenia, one has bipolar disorder, and they're twins, and I want to support you, and we'd like to give you $25,000. And I was like, what? Wow. Well, it's only $75 for the day, wasn't it then? Yeah. Yeah. $75 for the day, and it was 100 for dinner. So that's where we started. 
But we did get a good outpouring, and we got our Rutherford neighbors right yeah. around us to pour their wine, mm-hmm. and uh, and we got somebody to do hors d'oeuvres, which it was a local chef, and I can't remember. It was probably Cindy. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. So it Cindy and Paulson. it was, but then we had a wine tasting around the tent where the the concert was, and mm-hmm. that was the. Uh, San Francisco Ballet Orchestra was off season, so he hired them. And then we had to deal with unions and stuff, but it, it all worked <laughs> out. And Garen and I did everything. We were running around in our shorts, you know, putting chairs out, yeah. telling the guys where to put the poles for the tent, and um, getting ice for the white wines. And we did everything. You did it. And then we didn't really look that dressed up because we were still no, but <laughs> working what you, hard. Look what but you did. Yeah. And you haven't looked back. No. And if, so if folks out there were interested, where, how would they get more information? Is so, there a website? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a, a website called, uh, well, so they can go to the One Mind website, okay. um, which is onemind.org. And look uh, for events. Uh, yep. yep. Okay. Or um, there is the musicfestival.org website. Music-festival. Music-festival.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, and if you anybody out there didn't get that, just call the Staglin Winery, and they'll give you all the information. Absolutely, we've I got it. Pick up the phone. So, okay, so how is One Mind connected with this? Because I wasn't sure about that. Is One Mind a separate deal? Or oh, is it's it part a totally. Of it's a five hundred one c three IRS designated. Got it. It always has been. So all the money that comes in, a hundred percent of it is for donations. Okay. We have very few staff, but they're housed there. It's been more and more successful as we go through. Super. We sold out last June for our September event, September 14th this year. Next year, it's the 12th. Boy, that's a lot to organize. I've already sold two tables for next year. Look at you. Yeah. You haven't called me <laughs> You want to buy one? I, I, knew, I knew it was coming. I knew that was coming. All right. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And speaking of your beautiful home, something else happened in 1997. Hollywood came calling. They did. What the, was that all about? The movie The Parent Trap, uh, the second or the first remake that Disney did that had uh, Lindsay Lohan and Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson uh-huh. uh, was filmed at my parents' house. It was the summer before I left for college. So I was there for the <laughs> first three weeks of filming and then missed the last week uh, to go down to UCLA. But it was, um, you know, it's interesting because now, like today, People that grew up watching that movie, when they come to Napa Valley, they want to know where this house is, and they want to come to the house and come inside the house. And oh my God! To this day, they still do. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's still on the Disney Channel, and people watch it all the time. So what happens? So they're knocking on your door? Yeah. I mean, we we have a gated entrance to the property, which we never closed, but now we do. We have it closed. So. Um, and you know, we, for hospitality purposes, we're, we're very limited in the number of people that we can right. see, uh, per day by our use permit. Uh, so we, um, you know, we, we graciously, you know, share kind of our limitations with those that are interested in coming to visit the home. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> it goes with the territory, I guess, oh. but we never imagined that it would hang on this long. Well, so Cher, you had to, did they like clean, did they clean your whole house out and bring in new stuff? That must uh, have only... Yeah, sort of. Yeah. They took our, a lot of our art down. Because, oh, your beautiful art. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to put things up like rowboats and things that looked like a bachelor. I see. And so they, <laughs> they paid to move the by art movers to move it out, and they took out all of our living room furniture and our piano and put in beige corduroy furniture that looked like a bachelor. And Anyway, it was kind of fun to see. It was funny, actually. And they told us when they were gonna. They wanted to make the movie there. I, they said they wanted us to leave. We'd have to move out. And I said, No, we, 
we live here and we work here. We're not leaving. Well, then oh, your yeah. dogs will have to go to a kennel. No, they live here too, and they're not leaving. So they did it anyway. So we got to watch the takes once because they did everything five times. Yeah. And then we go back about our work. Would you, did you, was it fun for you, Sharon? Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting to see yeah. how a movie's made, right? And the yeah. number of people that are required and uh, just the infrastructure that they bring in and everything. It's it's intense, you know? And uh, But it was um, it was a fun experience. You know, I was in... I was, in between senior year in high school and freshman year in college. And so right. this is when I would like to sleep until 11 o'clock every morning, right? <laughs> no and uh, one morning they were filming in the kitchen at like 6.30 in the morning and my bedroom is above the kitchen. <laughs> and so, of course, it woke me up and I kind of came down the stairs in my boxers and T-shirt, which right. I slept in, right. to a hallway full of people <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> so I made my way up to kind of the apartment above the garage to go back to sleep. But <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Garen and I would run around the vineyard every morning with our two dogs, our Jack Russells, and um, stop and have breakfast in the catering tent. We could have anything we wanted, and then we'd go on up, and whenever they were doing takes, they would they would pick the dogs up so the dogs wouldn't bark or anything, or get into the take of the filming. And the dogs got really used to it, or they'd feed them, and uh, they got very spoiled and oh, fat yeah. while they were there. <laughs> the director had to put out a notice to quit feeding the dogs. That's pretty good. So... 2015, you had a chance to expand a property. You had some vineyard? Yeah, we um, oh, right. we purchased a section um, in between where my parents' property is and the highway. Okay. It's five and a half acres. There, it was owned uh, by the Farrig family the Farrig. Right. Uh, and under long-term contract with Pine Ridge. Okay. Uh, so they had been farming it and using the grapes from that property. But it was also the home site for the Stector's daughter that my mom was mentioning earlier. Okay. Uh, so um, we... Have uh, we're actually in the process right now of replanting it, um, and then as my mom mentioned, we're going to break ground in the spring to build uh, a home for myself and my husband and our two children. Oh, great! Yeah, That's... so we'll we'll have it'll be a nice commute to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially these days. Yeah. That's that's cool. Full, full circle. Mm-hmm. So, how many acres total you guys have now? Uh, well, in- inc- including that, it's like And 60. then we bought the hillside later, too. Okay. Because I didn't want to take out any vines to build a house. Got so it. we bought okay. the hillside, and and we that put our house that. on the hill and our winery under the hill. So yeah. all in, we're just over like 66 acres, 68. 60, 67. Great. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So do you buy any fruit or just use your own? So the Staglin wines are 100% estate. Okay. Uh, the Salus wines, which yeah, I was ask um, you about that. Yeah. those are estate, but also some non-estate fruit, okay. but from very high quality uh, ranches in the Napa Valley. So uh, when we started to produce Salus, um, we wanted to tie that into our philanthropic work. And okay. so the Roman goddess uh, Salus is the goddess of health and well-being. And we donate all of the profits from the sale of the Salus label, both the Chardonnay and the Cabernet, back towards brain health research. Wow. Yeah. So, um, great. you know, we're, we're limited in what we can produce off of our estate. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to kind of expand the production within reason, it's still quite small, of the Salus label. So we do purchase some fruit from some great properties like... We've uh, historically purchased from Hudson and Hyde for mm-hmm. the Chardonnay, from Beckstoff for George III for the Cabernet. Oh, so, man, those are all great yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. 
Good for you. That's so Salusi. There's a Chardonnay and a Cabernet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then Staglin. There's a couple cabs. Uh, we only have one. So okay. well, there's uh, the Staglin Chardonnay and the Staglin Cabernet. And then we have two very small production wines that we do off of the estate. Uh, one is called Stagliano mm-hmm. uh, or Stagliano, which is our Sangiovese. We have an acre and a half of Sangiovese. The original family name is Di- right. his dad yeah. was That's born. Right. Yeah. yeah, and um, that. that was that was planted in ninety. Oh, gosh, it took us a long time to propagate it, yeah. uh, but we had a fully producing vineyard by 90, 93 was 93, our first. 93, yeah, was the no, first. No, 90 is the first okay. time, 93 is the first time we released it. Yeah. Tough, tough, yeah. Grape, tough grape to grow. Yeah, you know about oh. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, tough, we ended up getting some from make. you, too. Yeah. Oh. Originally, we got it from Beyond Santi, and later we got some from Firebreak. Yeah, from and I got some from Pepe, and he says Beyond Santi. Who knows what was going on? Yeah. Everybody's, there's we a, only million, have there's an, a million stories about Budwood from Italy. We only have an acre and a half, so it's manageable. Yes, but <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good move Yes, right there. yeah, and uh, it's kind of become, it's a little bit of a unicorn wine. Like People are like, oh, the Sangiovese. <laughs> so, oh, I know. It's great. Yeah, and then... And um, we also have a label that we call Ineo, um, which is a Bordeaux blend that is more Cab Franc prominent comparatively to our Staglin Cabernet. Uh, Very small production, anywhere from 50 to 100 cases of that. The first vintage of that was 2006. And it came out of an auction lot for Auction Napa Valley. Um, it was the first auction lot to ever sell for a million dollars at the auction. Wow. So, which included some of uh, this wine uh, as well as a trip to France. So, <laughs> I, I do remember that day. It yeah. was a big day. Yeah, it was a shock, and it was so hot. And remember that it was a hot day. Yeah. And somebody dropped a million dollars that we had never met before until that day. Look at you! Look at you guys! Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you, well, how you, do you know, how do you repeat that? You can't. Mike Thompson, our congressman, is going around with wine in a basket like he does, right. and 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 Garen pulled one of our wines out and, and poured it for the tables around us, and that was one of the that lady is the one that bought the. Uh, you never know. You never know. Good surprise, <laughs> you guys. It's great, but but Shannon, back to you. Twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Besides New Vineyard, what happened to you? You you ran to some guy in in Florida. Yeah, so I was there working the market, and uh, Artie Johnson is my now husband. Um, he was working in Miami. He'd been there, I think, for seven years running wine programs. Got it. And uh, I was, we were with Augustine Wines, and um, the sales rep, Rachel, that I was working with was awesome, and she put together this really great lunch. So instead of going to visit a bunch of accounts, everybody, everybody met at the River Oyster Bar, which is kind of like the cheers of Miami for people in trade. Right. And uh, it's in Brickle. And so did a lunch. Artie was there, met him. Uh, he was very thoughtful and asked some great questions and was also good looking, but I didn't really think much <laughs> of it other than that. <laughs> then I was back there in uh, later that year actually to do a to a di- do a dinner at the St. Regis in Bell Harbor that came out of that lunch that I did earlier that year. And that's when we really got to know each other better, we'll say. <laughs> and uh, he moved to Napa shortly thereafter in, in June of 2015. And then we got, no, sorry, this was before that. So that was in 13, uh, June of 2013. And then we got engaged in January of 14. We got married in May of 
15. We had our first child in March of 16. <laughs> our it second, all happened so fast. Our second child in July of 17. And we're done now with <laughs> with babies. But now we're building houses. So, you know, and, and launching quit. wine brands well, and all that. <laughs> you guys, I, I've, I've spent a little bit of time with Artie. He's a kick. Whenever yeah. I see him at events, he's, it's great. It's like, hey, he goes, hey. So it's, we always have a nice chat. But, <laughs> but I was thinking about you guys this morning, you know, because Cicely is how old? Cicely's just over three and a half. And Arthur Artie, is just about two and a half. You know, it's just the thought of that just kind of scares me. Shakes, you know, I've, I've, lived, through, I've lived through it. I've lived through it a few times, but still, like, I, I was just thinking about you and Artie. Yeah. And these two little kids. Yeah. And you're running a winery. Yep. And traveling. I was, yeah. It's like, how are you doing this? It's, I, how, how you know, you doing it? Grandparents. <laughs> well, <laughs> grandparents are very helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's an intense time. And our children are Sicily and Arthur. Mm-hmm. And um, Artie, my husband, has started his own wine label. So that's called Artie, Artie Shasik. So it's the combination of our three family names, Artie, Shannon, and Sicily. Oh, neat. And uh, I'm, I'm in YPO, which is a professional organization. I'm actually chair of our chapter, which oh, is just a one year responsibility, but it's a lot. And then I'm also launching a new wine brand, very small project with our winemaker, Frederick, uh, hopefully before the end of the year. So Exciting. there's, it's just kind of a building time in our lives. <laughs> there's a lot happening and I don't know how I keep it all above water, but I try. <laughs> well, congratulations. But I will, I will give your parents, the grandparents, yeah. you know, a, a little some credit because yeah. I was somewhere with Garen. Thank you. Somewhere with Garen. And uh, it was hilarious. He was like, oh, Oh, you might have been getting a cup of coffee. I go, what? He goes, ah, oh, Jesus. He was, he was just, you know, I love your dad and your husband. And uh, I said, what? He goes, Shannon and Artie are gone for the weekend, so we're covering the kids. I said, well, that sounds great. What's it like? He goes, oh, my gosh, they're running all over the place. And he had a video of one of them. He goes, look at this. And this kid's like screaming down the hall, you know, trying, trying not to knock over stuff. And yeah. Karen's chasing him. So I, I, I had a good chuckle, but uh, I'm about to run into that role myself real soon here. But Yeah, they're definitely toddlers. We have handful, a handful, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. So well, you're busy. You're busy, busy, busy. <laughs> so family-owned business. Sherry, you've been running it for a long, long time. Um, Shannon, you've been on board for quite a while now. You're all working together. It's, it's working well. It's successful. You've got exciting plans for the future. You've got all the family involved. You all get along. What's what's the secret to a successful family business and family members working together? I think it's we're very lucky that we all respect each other. And in 2005, we sat down and wrote a family mission statement. Hmm. And all four of us immediately agreed on everything we thought we should be doing in our lives. What What are the values we should be looking at to make decisions? And it took us one hour from 9 to 10 in the morning, and we had it all written down, and we were ready to go. Wow. Yeah, so I think because we share the same values and we care about the thing, same things, like making sure that uh, we are doing things environmentally, that the vineyard will always go on. Family always comes first. That mm-hmm. was the first statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take care of our community. What are some of the other ones? We had like five Produce or six. world-class things. quality ones. Yeah, definitely yeah. part of that. <laughs> Um, but I think uh, a couple things to add to that. So one is that, you know, my brother's seven and a half years older than I am. And 
I always wanted to be, you know, I wanted to run the wine business, but that kind of made me concerned about how that would make him feel. Right. And so we had a very meaningful family meeting. That was after we wrote the mission statement, I think, and really talked through like what what our desires and wishes were. And Brandon was fully supportive of me wanting to do that. And um, this was before he was really involved with One Mind. And, uh, but, you know, he's... He also could not drink alcohol because yeah, of his correct. meds. Uh-huh. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so... So it made sense. So it works out well that, you know, my passion is wine, his passion is brain health, and we can both lead in, in those respects. And then also, I think, in the wine business in particular, I think one of the challenges is that if the first generation or founding generation is going to pass it on, they have to be willing to... Um, pass on decision-making um, ability and uh, be trusting of maybe if I'm thinking of doing something different than my parents would, mm-hmm. you know, we we do disagree. <laughs> um, and as long as I can provide, you know, sound reasoning as to why I think we should do something in one way versus another, they're usually supportive of that. And I think that that's really key um, and maybe one of the challenges that I see with people that are in my generation or slightly younger really getting to have some real responsibility and affect change uh, for the right reasons in their business. Yeah. Well, kudos to you and Garen for listening and yeah. working it out. I had this similar situation with dad. Really? You know, yeah. People say, you know, mm-hmm. kind of looking for dirt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Kind of questions like, well, how's it going with your dad? And you know, any issues, you know, waiting for me to say, well, you know, he won't let me do this. He won't let me do that. It's just like, say, well, just, everything's fine. They, they go, what do you yeah. mean? I said, we kind of agree on everything. Isn't that I mean, good? and even when we don't agree, it's like, okay, I, got, I see your point. I see your point. Okay. Let's, let's make a call. Mm-hmm. That was that way for forever. It was really, it was, and I do realize how special it was mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and hear, hear more family business yeah. horror stories sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, so it's all about trust and, and letting go. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So Shannon, you've got this great these great lineup of wines um, and some new ones coming. What kind of philosophically, when someone grabs a bottle of Staglin wine and, and opens it, what, what what do you want them to experience? You know, I think it's the wines that we're producing off of our estate are very special and. We take a lot of pride and care in what we're doing every day, and so does the entire team, right? That that is helping us produce these. And um, you know, how how is Staglin? We'll just talk about Cabernet, different mm-hmm. than a lot of the Cabernets that that people might come across from Napa Valley. And I think that um, we remain true to our site, and the beauty of our site really shows a lot of elegance and finesse in the way in which the Cabernet can be experienced. And so Napa can be known for power and extraction, uh, whereas I think our Cabernet is, um, it has beautiful fine grain tannins, um, lovely fruit, some herbal components. And so I think that it is, um, you know, it can please both the old and the new world palates Mm -hmm. uh, because it can deliver on both sides of the spectrum. Um, but I think restraint, finesse, uh, and elegance. Hmm. And I'm I'm glad you brought up your site. We haven't talked enough about your site. It's the, the, your vineyard is in you know prime location in this valley. You know on the western bench right there in Rutherford and Oakville. It's a great, great, great piece of property. Great heritage. Yep. You know, going back to the BV days. When I was looking for it, I had to find that out. I didn't. We didn't know anything about anything. Sure. 
and I was the one that did all the vineyard shopping. Right. And uh, I, I hired a consultant, and he, he's the one that said, you know, you've just got to, if you want to get a really good vineyard, he said all the old-timers knew when they came out here that the western benchlands were the best because they have the volcanic, yeah. the deep volcanic soils that are so good for Cabernet. And he said, but they never change hands because families, they you know, they pass them, them down. Right. And um, we really got lucky because this one was never on the market. But our realtor, his name was Jim Warren. He's He was in a winery partnership with John Bryan across the lane from okay. Bella Oaks. And he had been offered it by uh, the Sullivans, which was Dagmar DePance and her husband Walter, um, a couple years before because their children had no interest in the wine business mm-hmm. or or the vineyard business. And so, and John had said, well, what do I need with another million dollar vineyard? <laughs> and which that's what, you know, that's yeah, about what it right. cost in those days. And, um, but Jim knew about it. And so he told us about it, but he said, it's not for sale, really. I can try. And he worked at it for quite a while. That's finally. That's great to we, hear. We talked him into it. It's, you know, it's, good to hear that Jim Warren had to work to sell something. <laughs> because Jim Warren is the guy my father met in 1973 or 72 when he came out here. Dad came out looking for vineyard. And he and Jim Warren ran all over the valley, couldn't find anything. And Warren finally says, because Dad had some wild idea about hillsides. And Warren goes, well, there's the old Phillips place down Stag's Leap. It's been on the market five years. Maybe, you know, let's go take a look. And Dad tells a story. He drove up the driveway and said, man, this is it. And so, boom. So I'm glad Mr. Warren had to work hard to sell something. It's good to know. <laughs> well, Father's Day of 1985, I brought Garen out to show him this vineyard. And we had to sneak around because they said, he said, you know, it's not for sale and none of the neighbors need to know. They can't know. That. Oh, that's funny. So we, they, he had to park his Jeep way down the road. We walked up. We got to the top of the vineyard, looked down, and Garen said, it doesn't get any better than this. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I usually know. <laughs> if people want to get a hold of your wine, what's the best way for them to do it? I mean, you're distributed all over the world probably, but... Yeah, we sell 70% of what we produce direct to our wine club and mailing list on allocation. So okay. uh, the best, most, the Salus wines you can purchase online on our website, which is staglinfamily.com. Okay. Uh, the Staglin An email wines, info at staglinfamily.com. Yeah, okay. uh, the Staglin wines are sold on allocation, so the best thing to do is give us a call at the offices. We... Somebody always answers the phone within two rings good. or three rings. <laughs> wow, you guys are good. Yeah. We're about and they're real here. people. They're real, yeah. <laughs> um, well, good. I'm sure people will look for them. They should. Yeah. They're great wines. Thank and you. Uh, boy, you guys have done some wonderful things. It's Thank super. You. So we've got, is there anything new coming or it sounds like there's plenty going on right now? There's a lot happening, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we're. Um, well, her new project, Risa, mm-hmm. is coming. Yeah, so uh, Frederick uh, Johansson, our winemaker, and I, with the blessing of, of Carissa Mondavi as his wife, I okay. set them up on a. Uh, so that was, I've only I've only match made once, and so I have a hundred percent success rate. Both Carissa and and Artie are kind of supporting us in this project, as well as my family, um, to do a. Um, it's a single bottling of Grenache and a single bottling of Pinot Noir, so oh, kind of lighter bodied red varietals, and uh, from some some really great properties uh, over in Sonoma and Petaluma Gap area, uh, so that uh, we'll be launching 
hopefully, as I said, later this year uh, or before the end of the year, and that's called RESA. It's R-E-S-A, R-E-S-A uh, which is R-E-S-A. Swedish for journey, um, which uh, Frederick is of Swedish descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love the word and the the notion that, you know, we're all on our journeys, right? And some of our paths cross temporarily and some for a lifetime. And mm-hmm. oftentimes in our world, it involves wine. So I thought it was a, a great name. It is a great name, a great story. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. sounds very cool. (laughs) You too, Sherry Shannon. Thanks for coming in here. It's been a lot of fun. You're so welcome. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. See you soon. Wow, we covered a lot of ground from the 1860s to today. The Stagrams have an amazing property. They make killer wines. They're having a big impact on brain health research, and they do it all with a lot of heart. It was really fun to have Sherry and Shannon in here and get their whole story. Thank you very much for spending another hour with us here on The Taste. If you enjoy the podcast, you can help us out a lot by going on iTunes and leaving a review. Doing that helps other people find the podcast. And if you have any thoughts or ideas you'd like to send our way, please email us at podcast at schafervineyards.com. We'll see you again soon.